Well, let's stand to take our Bibles this morning, Joshua chapter 11. I'm going to get right into the passage this morning. If you're a guest or visitor today, welcome to Heritage Baptist Church. We're honored that you're here. And we want everyone here tonight, this morning, be back tonight at 5.15. So we can start the service at 5.30. And we'll have a service. We're going to make some acknowledgments, preach the Word of God for a few minutes. And then we're going to have the ribbon cutting and the dedication building. And we're going to invite you to be part of the building for either a self-guided tour or we'll be giving tours. Yesterday, we had several of our retired uh, folks that have a little bit, a little bit more difficulty in walking and moving around. We invited them to come yesterday to try to encourage them just to see the building. And they are just so excited about that. And we're excited about what God's doing with this building, and we want you to be part of that. Interestingly enough, this, today on the East Coast, about 3,000 miles from us, our good friend, Dr. Dr. Uh, Mike Norris, they are opening their education building today as well. And so on the West Coast, Heritage Baptist Church is opening their building. On the East Coast, Brother Brother Norris is doing their building. That's a great thing, amen? And we've been exchanging emails and messages this week, and uh, he sent a video we're going to show you tonight. I did a video for him, and we're just excited about all the things God's doing. And these, these are great days to be in church. And I just want to encourage you, have the joy of the Lord in your heart, amen? Be excited, be thankful for what God's doing, and uh, just get self-plugged in. Maybe you've been coming for a long time. This is the time to get both feet in and uh, just realize today there's some great things God wants to do in your life. Joshua 11, if your neighbor doesn't have a Bible, help them find their passage of Scripture today. It's a very exciting passage of Scripture that will help us. And I want you to go all the way down to verse 15. We're going to read to verse 23. Tell you what, just to have a little bit of fun... I'm going to, I'm going to do this. We'll, we'll read, we'll read responsively. I'm going to read the odd number of verses and be odd today. And you read the even number of verses and be even today. Is that okay? That makes sense? Everybody understand that? Okay. All right. I'm going to start with the odd congregation. You read the even. We're going to go 15 to 23. All right. All together. Now I'll, I'll read first. As the Lord commanded Moses, his servant, so did Moses command Joshua. And so did Joshua. He left nothing undone of all that the Lord commanded Moses. Congregation, verse 16. Even from Mount Halleck, that goeth up to Seir, even up to Baal God, in the valley of Lebanon, under Mount Hermon, and all their kings he took and smote them and slew them. Congregation. There was not a city that made peace with the children of Israel, save the Hivites, the inhabitants of Gibeon, all others they took in battle. Congregation. <laughs> And at that time came Joshua and cut off the Anakims from the mountains, from Hebron and from Deber unto Anab, and from all the mountains of Judah, from all the mountains of Israel, Joshua destroyed destroyed them utterly with all their cities. Congregation. So Joshua took, notice this, the whole land according to all that the Lord sent unto Moses. And Joshua gave it for an inheritance unto Israel according to their divisions by their tribes, and the land rested from war. 
I call your attention to verse 15. Please do not forget this this morning. Even if we weren't in a building program or construction, this is a very pivotal and important verse in the book of Joshua and for your life and mine. In verse 15, it says, As the Lord commanded Moses, his servant, so did Moses command Joshua, and so did Joshua. He left, notice this phrase, he left nothing undone of all that the Lord commanded Moses. And this morning, church, I wanted to preach to you a message entitled, Leave Nothing Undone. Leave nothing undone. And we want to see today how that's so pivotal as we get to the rest of Joshua and kind of brings us back a little bit in terms of the previous ten chapters of all that God did. When we get to the end of uh, chapter, uh, chapter 12, because chapters 11 and 12 need to be read together, at the end of chapter 12 we read the account of 31 kings and cities that were taken by Joshua. He left nothing undone. He claimed the whole land. And brother and sister Christ, God has a desire for you and me that we leave nothing undone. God wants us to claim all the Bible. God wants us to claim all the power of God. God wants us to claim His ability to work through you and me. God wants us to leave nothing undone of all that the Lord has commanded us. Now, Lord, this morning, it's so exciting to see so many of God's people here today, folks back from vacation People here, Lord, maybe even in spite of sickness, they're here today. And Lord, many who are watching by live stream. And today we need you to touch our lives and work through us. We pray for this service that you sanctify thy people through thy truth, for thy word is truth. Cleanse us, as James said in the book of James, from all filthiness of flesh and the superfluity of naughtiness, and that we may receive with meekness the engrafted word which is able to save souls. Father, change our lives. Help us not to let any of the Word of God fall to the ground. Help us to give the earnest heed to the things which we hear, lest at any time we let them slip. We pray this morning that we would say like Jeremiah, Thy words were found, and I did eat them, and they were the joy and rejoicing of my heart. I pray that you stir our hearts to desire the sincere milk of the Word of God. I pray this morning that the Word of God would be the sharp two-edged sword to pierce and divide our hearts. We pray that it would be a fire that would burn in us. Inspire us, God, to do something great for you. Inspire us, Lord, if we feel discouraged and feel like we're about to drop out. Inspire us to do more for God. Help remind us why we're in church this morning. Help us, Lord, to focus our thoughts on you and your son, Jesus Christ. The flesh profiteth nothing. It is the spirit that quickeneth. And this morning, may the spirit of God make alive and may the spirit of God lift the words off the pages. And just as you breathe the word of God into existence, breathe on it once again to speak to our hearts and change us. I pray for the salvation of sinners this morning. I pray for the revival of your people. I pray for the call of men to the ministry. I pray, God, this hour that you'd call people to do the work of God, that we leave nothing undone of all that the Lord has commanded us. Bless our service, we pray now in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Have you ever started something to only realize that a lot more would be required of you than when you started it? So there's some folks in our church who are business owners. We started off as a dream and an idea, maybe as an entrepreneur, maybe as a had the passing down of a family business. You got excited about the prospect of being your own boss and taking charge of the business. But over time, you started realizing there was a lot more to it than you expected. And you may have had these feelings that maybe I'm going to quit 
We have a large population of students. I'm so thankful for students. And you pray this coming fall that we'll have a great fall start for our student ministries on the, on the middle school and high school and college campuses. And we're challenging our college students to claim the college campuses this, this coming fall for the glory of God. But as we start off in these, these ministries, we realize that there is a student, we realize as we start taking, listing up our classes, and maybe for high schoolers, you've got your, your basic classes you need to take to graduate, and then you're taking some AP classes, and you start to realize, man, there's a lot more to this than I thought. And sometimes you start a job, and you get all the job description, the man you've gone through, and you read it, and now you're about to start your job, and you realize there's a lot more to it than I expect. And we're looking at a passage of Scripture that speaks to us about something going on in Joshua's life that helped to understand there was a lot more to it than he expected. Joshua had conquered the city of Jericho in Joshua chapter 6. Joshua in chapter 8 conquered the city of Ai. Joshua in chapter 10, as we saw last week, he conquered five to six different cities as he conquered that he took the central uh, kingdom and the southern kingdom. Now we find Joshua at Gilgal needing to walk up 80 miles, marching up 80 miles all the way up to a place to meet with a king by the name of, uh, of uh, Jabin of Hazor. And he's realizing that there's a lot more to it as he goes on in life that the bat, there's still more battles to fight. As he goes on in life, he realizes there's still more territory to claim. There's still more cities to possess. There's still more to do. And this morning as we consider that, verse 15 stands out because in spite of the large demands, in spite of the enlarged job description, in spite of the fact there seemed more to do, he was under a mandate from God. God said, this is all yours. There is much more for you to possess. But for you to do that, you need to take the commandments that I gave to Moses. And as Moses has passed down to you, and you're to leave nothing undone of all that the Lord has commanded you. And beloved, I want to tell you this morning, we've only just begun. Amen. We're only getting going here. The Bible tells us in Philippians 1, 6, that God, that God has begun a good work in us and he'll continue to perform it to the day of Jesus Christ. Philippians 2.13 tells us it is God which worketh in you both to will and to do of his good pleasure. So this morning, let's go on a journey to see how Joshua got everything done that God wanted him to do. First of all, what you notice in our chapter this morning in verses 1 to 5, we see a raging conflict. Now, Joshua's sitting really good as we conclude chapter 10. Joshua has defeated the five kings that were led by the king of Jerusalem. He took the southern kingdom. He took that area where he went from Gilgal, about 30 miles into the mountainous area, and he fought them on the mountains. In fact, he was so energized, in spite of walking 30 miles all through the night and uh, being awake for 30-something hours, he was so energized by the Spirit of God, he prayed a very a great prayer of faith. He asked God to hold the sun and the moon still for an entire day, for an entire 24-hour period so that he could get the job done. And God enabled him while they were chasing the enemy off the mountains and down into the valley areas. We read through all of chapter 10 how Joshua was used of God to complete the process. He defeated these kings. He defeated these enemies. And you can imagine if you and I were Joshua, there would be this incredible sigh of relief. We've taken Jericho. We've taken Ai. We've taken five to six of the major kings. You can imagine as they go back to Gilgal, they're feeling like, boy, we've got it done. 
Thank you, Lord. We know there's more to conquer, but Lord, thank you for all what you've given us. And notice we get to chapter 11, verse 1, and it says, And it came to pass. Listen, whenever something great happens, always remember, there's still more to come. There's still more to be done. And the Bible said in verse 1, It came to pass when Jabin, the king of Hazor, had heard those things, that he sent to Jobab, the king of Maiden, and to the king of Shimron, and to the king of Akshaph, and to the kings that were on the north of the mountains, and to the plains south of Chinneroth, and in the valley, in the borders of Dor on the west, and to the Canaanite on the east and on the west, and to the Amorites and the Hittites and the Perizzites, and to the Jebusites in the mountains, and to the Hivite under Hermon in the land of Mizpah. And they went out, they and all their hosts with them, much people, even as the sand that is upon the seashore multitude, notice this last phrase, with horses and chariots, the Bible says, very many. Just when you thought, man, we've got it made. The battles are won. We're undefeated. We're doing well. The king of the north, who had greater power than the previous kings he defeated, who had a greater kingdom, and that king of the north was 80 miles north of Gilgal, up by the Sea of Galilee. You're talking about an area that encompassed mountains, rugged terrain, valleys and plains, rivers, all of that. Then now this king is mounting up an attack, and only that, this king is much stronger than the ones he previously faced. This king has state-of-the-art uh, uh, arsenal. He has chariots, which is the equivalent of a Bradley tank. He has, he has chariots. He has horses. He has these armies. And again, Israel's in a place where they're outnumbered, they're outsized, and there's a greater group of people, and there's still giants in the land they have to go after. And you know, as we look at this situation, it reminds us this morning of how in the Christian life, it is a vivid picture of the raging conflict between the believer and the enemies of our faith. Notice, if you would, as we look at verses 1 to 5, the pressures on our faith. These kings mounted up the battle against Joshua. It wasn't Joshua going to them first. It was them coming to Joshua. You see, this morning, if you've recently gotten saved, if you've recently received Jesus Christ as your Savior, I'm sorry to tell you this, but your problems are just beginning. Amen? Your problems are just beginning. Satan is just angry that you got saved. Satan is not happy that what you've done. And if your marriage has gotten has had God's healing on it and God's hand on it, Satan wants to divide your marriage. If you're a young person who's just gotten saved and God has worked your life, you want to know that those temptations you had before become even greater. And there are these continuous pressures on the faith of God's people. Joshua was still facing pressure because there was still more land to conquer. There were still more cities to possess. There was still more of God's faith he needed to claim. And we must accept the reality this morning while we're on the verge of claiming this building. While we're on the verge of seeing God unfold his vision. We're on the verge of a missions conference. We're praying that our faith promise mission support that will be pledged by the church will increase. While we're on the verge of raising a 1K offering where I'm praying that 400 to 500 of our folks will step up between now and January 20th of the 2019 to come with a $1,000 offering minimum. That would be so awesome to see 400 to 500 of our folks that come with a $1,000 offering each to be pledged to where everybody just participates on that level to help be a blessing for the glory of God. But listen, brother and sister in Christ, the pressures on our faith, they don't diminish and the pressures on our faith don't go away. I've been pastoring since 2004. The pressures today are more than the pressures in 2004. The trials of today are more than the trials of 2004. Every now and then my wife 
wife has to get a hold of me and she says, slow down, Charlie, slow down. No, she didn't call me Charlie. She says, slow down, Alan. And uh, he says, slow down here just a little bit here. And she says, are you listening to me? And, and I have to stop a little bit because that's the voice of God telling she's not God, but it's the voice of God saying, you need preacher, you need to slow down just a little bit and realize that some people are not going as quickly as you are. You've got to realize that there's the pressures are there, but everybody else is not there. And I remind you today, for those who've been part of the church since day one, the pressures have increased. I remind you today, if you're recently married, the pressures have increased. I remind you today, if you've had little children, the pressures have increased. And God help you, if you've got teenagers, the pressures are even greater at that moment of time. Amen? And we're just saying today, there are pressures that we face as God's children. There are pressures on our lives. There's pressures on our job. There's pressures in, in trying to get ready for retirement. There are pressures during retirement. There are pressures we have when our health changes and things of that nature. You see, the enemy does not want you or me to be successful. The enemy does not now want you and me to understand how God answers prayer. And the enemy doesn't want you and me to have the joy of the Lord. Last Sunday night, we spent some time in the book of Nehemiah for a few minutes, just looking at what to expect after a construction program. And we looked at Nehemiah 6 and 7 and 8. And one of the things I talked about last Sunday night was that after Nehemiah got the wall completed, it was just about three miles, maybe about two and a half miles in total total length there. They got this wall completed. It was two and a half miles long and about eight and a half feet wide in terms of the depth and the breadth of the of the, the wall. It, things just didn't stop and they, they didn't relax there. They went back to doing the most important things. They built the wall so that the spiritual emphasis can continue. And Ezra got up on top of a platform with a pulpit made out of wood. And he opened the Word of God and he started reading the Word. And what an amazing passage in Nehemiah 8. He read the Word of God for, for half of a day. I don't know about you, but that blows my mind to think about reading the Bible to the congregation for half a day. I mean, I don't know about you, but that'd be pretty exciting for us to stand up here and to stay together and to read God's Word for four hours and five hours, six hours, and to get to the place we don't even realize we're standing and we're not tired. And the Bible says to the people wept as the word of God was being being read. And as they were weeping, God, Nehemiah said to them and Ezra said to them, don't weep for this is a day that's holy to the Lord. He said, because let the joy of the Lord be your strength. And brother and sister in Christ, I remind today, not just because we're dedicating a building tonight. And by the way, that's not the pastor's building and that's not the building committee's building. That's your building. That's the building that, that this church has given sacrificially to. This is your building and my building together with God's help. We're going to build and we're going to fill that building up and we're going to pay off the dead and we're going to see greater things happen and watch God work in lives and we're going to go from seeing empty classrooms to filled classrooms and we're going to go from the place where the building's at capacity to where we've got to go to double over and more services and things of that nature. Why is all that happening? Because God loves people and because God loves people, His love works through you and me in reaching people with the gospel of Jesus Christ. There's more to do. But there's pressures. The pressures don't go away. The pressures continue to mount up there. They're the pressures of our faith. I'm just saying today, the enemy doesn't want you to have a successful prayer line. The enemy doesn't want you to have victory over bitterness. The, the enemy does not want you to have the joy of the Lord. Listen to me tonight, this morning. Don't let the devil take your joy. Don't let the devil take the joy out of your marriage. Don't let the devil take the joy out of parenting. Don't let the devil take the joy out of serving. Listen, just you, you get criticized and somebody says something. Remember what the says 
says about Jesus, he was reviled and reviled not again. If anybody received criticism, if anybody whose morale was torn down, if anybody was was disrespected, it was our Lord Jesus Christ. There is no man that ever walked on planet Earth that was more criticized, that was more reviled than our Lord Jesus Christ. He was reviled, yet he reviled not again. And let's just decide today that the devil's not going to put that pressure on us to lose our joy. We're just going to say, praise God, I've got the joy of Jesus in my heart, and you're not going to take it from me, devil. Amen? The enemy doesn't want you to be sweet and loving. The enemy doesn't want you to have forgiveness in your heart. The enemy doesn't want us to overcome the sins of gossip and sins of speech. The enemy is always trying to discourage us and make us cynical about things. The enemy is fighting us in all the time at all angles with all his strength. And he catches us unawares. Listen, the fiery darts of the wicked when they come from all angles. You don't know where they're coming from, but they're coming. And I remind you today, just as Jesus prayed for Simon Peter, he said, Simon, Simon, I've prayed for thee that thy faith fail not. Realize today that there are pressures that you and I have on our faith. But notice something else. We, as we look at verses 1 to 5, the raging conflict, they're the pressures of our faith, but something just jumps out at me, which you notice in verses 1 to 4, the mention of these kings. It says kings on the north and kings on the south and kings to the east and kings to the west and people of the mountains and people of the valleys and the Canaanites and the Amorites and the Hittites and the Perizzites and the Jebusites and the Hivites. You know what that's telling me as we look at that? Brother and sister Christ, as we read that, that speaks to me about a preview of the future. Why do the heathen rage and the people imagine a vain thing? The kings of the earth have assembled themselves against the Lord and against the Lord's anointed. It reminds me of a preview of the future. You listen to me while we're moving on in life and we're walking by faith and not by sight. I remind you every day that goes by where it's one day closer to the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. We're one day closer to the rapture coming. Listen, the Bible says that we need to look, look for the blessed hope and the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior Jesus Christ. And I remind you today, Jesus could come at any moment. We believe in the imminent return of our Lord for His church. And listen, when the church gets raptured up, when every saved individual gets taken up, after that will follow a period on earth such as the world has never known. It's called the wrath of God. It's called the time of great God's great judgment. It's called the time of Jacob's trouble. It's called the seven-year tribulation. And at the end of that seven-year tribulation, exactly as it's called during that time, it'll be time of trial and martyrdom and 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 sickness and death and devastation over the third of the world's population remaining will die because of disease and pestilence and famine and wars and things of that nature. It'll be the worst time that planet Earth has ever known. At the tail end of that, our Lord Jesus Christ will mount up on His horse, His white horse in heaven, and come with the armies of heaven. You and I who are saved, we're going to come back with the Lord for the Lord to do battle against those who are against Him. Notice in Revelation chapter 19, as we're reminded today about the future, the Bible says in Revelation, Revelation 19, verses 11 to 21. And I saw heaven open, and behold, a white horse. And he that sat upon him was called Faithful and True. And in righteousness he doth judge and make war. His eyes were as a flame of fire, and on his head were many crowns. And he had a name written that no man knew but he himself. And he was clothed with a vesture dipped in blood. And his name is called the Word of God. And the armies which were in heaven followed him upon white horses, clothed in fine linen, white and clean. And out of his mouth goeth a sharp 
sharp sword, that with it he should smite the nations, and he shall rule them with a rod of iron. And he treadeth the winepress of the fierceness and wrath of Almighty God. And he hath on his vesture and on his thigh a name written, King of kings and Lord of lords. And I saw an angel standing in the sun, and he cried with a loud voice, saying to all the fowls that fly in the midst of heaven, Come and gather yourselves together unto the supper of the great God, that ye may eat the flesh of kings and the flesh of captains and the flesh of mighty men and the flesh of horses and of them that sit on on them and the flesh of all men both free and bond both small and great and i saw the beasts and the kings of the earth and their armies gathered together to make war against him that sat on the horse and against his army and the beast was taken and with him the false prophet that wrought miracles before him and and with which he deceived them that received the mark of the beast and them that worshiped his image these both were cast alive notice this into a lake of fire burning with brimstone and the remnant were slain with the sword of him that sat upon the horse which sword proceeded out of his mouth and all the fowls were filled with their flesh would you imagine with me in your mind that moment they would call it probably the day of armageddon the day in which jesus comes to earth to do battle his feet will stand upon mount jerusalem and his night will come to do battle against all the kings the kings of the earth will gather themselves in this place called megiddo the kings of all the world who are against jesus and against his people will assemble there to fight them they'll be thinking their own power they can defeat jesus they'll be thinking we can knock jesus out with our icbms or intercontinental ballistic missiles and they'll be thinking they can knock jesus down with the shooting of their tanks and they'll be thinking we can knock jesus down by throwing some spears at him and shooting some arrows at him and they'll be thinking of all the technology there they're thinking we'll take this jesus out but the bible says when jesus comes all he has to do is speak a word and as he speaks a word all of his enemies will be defeated that moment of time and listen when jesus comes he'll be coming to establish justice on earth and be judging all those things and i say that to you today for this reason if you're not saved today if you don't know jesus christ your savior one of the worst in fact the worst thing that can happen to you is to have your loved one who is saved to be raptured to go to heaven with all of us who are saved and you'd be left behind to even make it through that seven-year tribulation time you even make it to the end there and to be rejecter of god and a blasphemer of his name and to curse the name of jesus christ and to keep believing i've got a little bit more time i've got a little bit more time i might make it along the way to even believing that you're going to make it through that seven-year tribulation and should you even make it if you should be on the side of the antichrist and all those who are against jesus christ can you imagine when jesus comes to the armies of heaven jesus doesn't have to throw a missile jesus doesn't have to launch a grenade jesus doesn't have to put some landmines out jesus does not have to detonate an atom bomb he doesn't need to do all that why because jesus has all power in heaven and earth and jesus all he has to do is speak a word and the enemies will be defeated you read zechariah chapter 14 and you read there when he speaks the word by his word even the their eyeballs their eyeballs will dissolve in their heads and their skin will be melted away i'm telling you today if you're not saved you will face the judgment of god at that time and listen worse than that if we get to revelation chapter 20 you'll face the judgment of god at the great white throne judgment because your name is not written in the lamb's book of life and because you never place your faith in jesus christ i'm saying this morning we're rejoicing in a new building we're rejoicing in souls being saved we're rejoicing in prayers being answered we're rejoicing in people being out of the church but i'm going to tell you this morning judgment is still coming and god still must judge sin and god must punish sin and i'm telling you today he punished his son jesus christ for your sins and mine that you don't have to spend eternity now but that you spend eternity in heaven with him my prayer for you this morning rejoice with with a building but rejoice today jesus has died for your sins and get saved today get christ in your heart and be saved today 
So many of you worry about the future. I don't worry about the future. You know why? God told us what's all about the future. And the goal is, is not to fit, is to get the future to fit your life. The goal is to get your life to fit the future. Joshua had a preview of the future. But Joshua was victorious. Remind you days we go along and you watch your soap operas and you sip your tea and you drink your lattes, you eat your biscottis, and you go on there, I've got tomorrow to do that, and you'll get your bobas and things like that. That's okay, those things are good, but keep everything in perspective. One thing, Jesus is coming soon. He's coming soon. And we must remind ourselves to preview the future. Thank God for this building. I hope we get many years out of this building. I hope the Lord will give me many more years to live. I hope the Lord will give us many more years to serve Him. But I want to tell you today, if Jesus comes today, the most important service you need to be in is the service you're in right now. This is the service you need to make a decision for God. We see the raging conflict. If you were Joshua, what would you say? You're Joshua, how would you feel about the pressures? Oh, Lord, another battle. Oh, God, this man up here 80 miles away, he's got a confederacy bigger than the one before. Listen, I'm going to tell you, when you prove yourself faithful with one trial, the next trial he sent you might be bigger, might be greater, but that's not to hurt you, it's to help you so that he can grow you in your faith today. And so this morning we see the raging conflict, but number two, very quickly, what you notice, the reinforced confidence. I'm going to be human with you. Look at verse 7. Verses 1 to 6. Joshua is outsized. He is outnumbered. It is an overwhelming picture. This king of the north has mounted up these people in chariots and horses. And there's something about the devil's crowd that amazes me. They can be different about things politically. They can be different about how to spend public money. They can be from all different religious persuasions. But somehow the devil's crowd can all pull together when it comes time to fighting with God's people. And brother, let me tell you today. You're saved by Jesus Christ. You're under his blood. There's no reason for us to be divisive and fight with one another. Amen. Love one another. By this shall all men know that you're not my disciples, that you love one another. Put aside your ethnic preferences. Put aside your language preferences. Put aside your economic difference. Just realize that, hey, we're saved by the same blood that washes away all of our sins. Amen. But if I was Joshua, I'd be thinking, oh boy, Lord, this is hard. Not again. (laughs) Lord, another fight. Another trial, Lord. A larger army, Lord. And God, in fact, they've got chariots and look what I've got. I, we just got sandals. Amen. Oh, we got our Birkenstocks. You can't fight a battle in Birkenstocks. Amen. What are we going to do? Do you notice how the Lord gives them confidence? He comes alongside of this man of God the same way he comes alongside of you and me when the raging conflict continues. And the pressures of our faith are mounting. You notice he says them in verse 7, excuse me, verse 8. The Lord said unto Joshua, fear them not. For I have delivered them into thy hand. And there shall not a man of them stand before thee. 
Well, you're here this morning, you may have had a bad week. You may have had setbacks. Your insecurities may have gotten the best of you, and they do. Our insecurities get the best of us. Someone may have hurt you. Someone may have insulted you. Something happened that hurt you really bad. And for some reason you're thinking, well, I don't even know why I came to church today. Might be like some of our members this week who are facing doctor's appointments. They've had sleepless nights. Are they going to tell me I've got cancer? Are they going to tell me I've got to do this, I've got to do that? And we're worried and anxious and fretting. What's going to happen with my life? Those moments of time, we're hurting and we're weeping. There's no organ donor. The, chemi- the chemistry of all the chemicals you're putting in us for our cancer is not helping. The job offer didn't come. My marriage is falling apart. My kids won't listen to me. Those hardest times, we need to be still and listen to the voice of God. Well, this man Joshua... Though it doesn't tell us, but I can imagine that moment. He's feeling a little bit apprehensive. He's feeling his vulnerability as a leader. God comes to him. And he tells him those same words that we are over and over again. Fear them not. Fear them not. But you notice how God reinforces his confidence. Notice all, first of all, verse 6. God gives him, verse, excuse me, verse 8. God gives him an encouraged purpose. In verse 8, he tells Joshua, in spite of what you face, I'm going to encourage you about your purpose. When we start a building program, as I have to think and consider, how do I encourage the church to participate financially? How do I encourage our church to get involved uh, personally? And by the way, just I thank the Lord. When you walk in that building tonight, you're not going to see a perfect building. But I want to tell you this. You're going to see in that building the work and results of a lot of loving hands over the last week of people who took time off of work and people stayed late last night getting the place clean, double time over. That building has been swept maybe three or four times. It's been mopped maybe three or four times. Everything's been wiped down at least twice. I mean, you're just going to see there, not a perfect building, but you're going to see peep the, hand, the results of people who lovingly just love God and said, we're going to do what it takes to get this building ready. We're going to take our vacation time to get things ready. And we're going to do whatever it takes for that. And I remind you today as we think about it, some of those folks are tired and weary. And it's at this moment of time, we need to be encouraged about our purpose. You see, sometimes we can let the stain on the wall and we can let maybe the choice of the furniture or we can make the color of the building or we can make the architecture line. We make that a point of discussion and with deliberation. Those aren't the issues that we need to be facing on. What we have to look at beyond all that is the purpose, why the building's here. Remind you today, the building is not an edifice to the glory of an architect, to an engineer, to a building contract, to a pastor or to a congregation. That building is there to the glory of God. And that building is there as a tool, just as this building, so that you and I can sit down and have our hearts encouraged by the Word of God. And Joshua had to be reminded about his purpose. And brother and sister in Christ, I remind you about our purpose. 
Our purpose together is to reach this world with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Our purpose together is to see your loved ones come to Jesus Christ as Savior. Our purpose together is never to forget that God wants to be focused on building one another up so as we are strengthened in the Lord, we can go forth from this place and be used for His glory. Notice, He gives Joshua assurance. He says, tomorrow, about this time, when I deliver them up, all slain before Israel. Now put yourself in Joshua's shoes. Okay, I wonder what God's got in mind this time because this is a larger army and they're, they're, they've got chariots and they've got horses and they're 80 miles away and, and God wants us to face them. I don't know what we're going to do. I don't know how long this is going to take. And man, I don't know if I can pray for I don't know if God's going to hold the sun still again. And God just very simply tells him in less than one sentence. He says, don't be afraid. Tomorrow, about this time, I'll deliver them up. I'll slay before Israel. I mean, God is saying, listen, tw- 24 hours from now from this time, you're, you're, you're going to win this battle. It doesn't matter how many they are. It doesn't matter where they're coming from. It doesn't matter what kind of technology they've got. It doesn't, those things don't matter. All you've got to realize today, what matters is you've got me. What matters is you've got God. What matters is you've got God's power. What matters here is that tomorrow about this time, you're going to defeat them. I mean, he was encouraged by his purpose. Remind, remind yourself today, your purpose is not to live for yourself. Your purpose is to live for the glory of God. Encourage them about his purpose. I say this morning, don't be afraid of new challenges. Look at some of the things he told them to do. He said here later on in, in, uh, in another verse, he tells them here as he gives instructions, he tells them that you're going to hold their horses, um, in, 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 you're going to hold their horses and burn their chariots with fire. And we'll talk about that in a minute here. God gives them a, an action plan. He tells them you're going to defeat them and I'm going to tell you exactly how you're going to do it. And you're going to do it my way because that's the way that works. And, and so we, we find God working on him in, in a marvelous, marvelous way there so, so God could just get, give them the victory that they needed there. And uh, so, I want to encourage you today, don't be afraid of new challenges and don't be afraid of exercising new faith and let's not be afraid of starting some new ministries and let's not be afraid to go to the mission field and let's not be afraid to, of rejection and pushback. Let's just keep going forward for the Lord. Let's just remind ourselves when the battle seems strong, the obstacle seems daunting, let's remind ourselves today that God encourages us about our purpose. But notice verses 7 11, He gives them an enabled performance. In verses 7 and 11, we get the action plan. And I want to read this to you. you know, I want you to follow just as I give commentary about some of these things. These kings in verses 1 to 6 are assembling up in the north area, 80 miles away. Notice verse 7. Joshua came. Now, I don't mind driving 80 miles. I'm not sure I'm in good enough shape to walk 80 miles. Amen. And they just finished finding a previous enemy, where they went on 30 plus hours of no sleep and walked 30 miles to 3,000 foot ascent into the mountains to fight them. And now God wants to make an 80 mile trek through very similar terrain. And the Bible says Joshua came and all the people were with them against him by the waters of Merom suddenly and they fell upon them. And the Lord delivered them, as He said He would, into the hand of Israel, who smote them and chased them unto great Zidon, and unto Mishmeam, unto the valley of Mizpah, eastward, and they smote them, until they left none remaining. And Joshua did unto them as the Lord bade him. Notice verse 9, And he hold their horses, and burned their chariots with fire. And Joshua at, the time, uh, at that time turned back and took Hazor, 
and smote the kingdom thereof with the sword. For Hazor before time was the head of all those kingdoms, and they smote all the souls that were therein with the edge of the sword, utterly destroying them. There was not any left to breathe, and he burnt Hazor with fire. I mean, you read this. Look at the action plan of God that he gave to Joshua. His, 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 uh, his army went there swiftly. His army went there obediently, and they just took them. And one of the amazing things is, if you think about war... When, 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 when two, two, two opponents went with each other, the victor would always claim all the spoils of war, including the horses and the animals and the, and the, and the chariots and things of that nature, because in doing so, they would bolster their defense and bolster themselves against the next offense. But God tells them something that is not, is so unconventional. And God tells them something that didn't make sense. Notice verse 9. He told them, I want you to hoe their horses. Now the word hoeing is not a word we use very often here in our English language, but it basically means to take a knife and to cut the tendons or the ankle of the, of the horse so it disables him. You cut their ankles. Basically, God says, I don't want you to claim the horses. I don't want you to take them. I want you to cut the horses and their tendons so they're unable to stand. They're unable to walk. And he says, on top of that, I want you to burn their chariots. And God was saying here, Joshua, you're going to defeat them overwhelmingly. And by the way, as we read this passage, just as in the previous conflicts, Joshua experienced zero casualties, zero loss of life. Not one man was lost. Not one son's life was taken. Not one father's life was taken. Not one husband's life was taken. Zero casualties. They, they overwhelmingly defeat them. And then God says something would be so unconventional to our military strategy today. He said, hold their horses and burn their chariots. And what God was saying there, I want you not to get yourself to the place where you start depending upon external things and military strategy and human strategy and what the think tanks of the day are telling you what must do and what the pragmatists of the day are telling you what to do. What I want you to do, Joshua, is remember this victory came from God. And I want you to remember, Joshua, every subsequent victory comes from God. And I said, I want you to remember, I want those horses. You don't need those horses. And you don't need those chariots to win. You need me to win. You need me to accomplish it. I'm going to tell you something, brother and sister Christ. I thank God we've got platforms. And I thank God we've got a choir. I thank God we have an orchestra. I thank God that we've got vehicles to pick people up on the, on the road. I thank God that we've got modern technology. And we've got PA systems and all the modern technology, things like that. But I'm going to tell you, if we, all those things were gone... If we didn't have the monitors and we didn't have the AV system and we didn't have the instruments, I'll tell you what we do have. We still got the Word of God which changes life. And we still have the Holy Spirit of God who reproves the sin, the world of sin, righteousness, and judgment. And we still have God's approval and God's authority upon the local New Testament church. And I'm telling you today, we might lose all those things, but sometimes we come to place, listen, AV guys, we come to place, we just got to decide. It's not about the AV. It's not about the media. It's not about whether you have a pulpit. It's not about whether we have an orchestra. It's not about whether or not we have a choir. It's not even about if we have a building. What's most important, if we have all those things and God is not in it, we are of all people most miserable. We need God. God was enabling His performance. I'm going to tell you, your greatest victories that you'll ever accomplish in the Christian life is not how strong you were that day and not how read up were you that day and not how much Scripture you had memorized that day. It really comes down to this, how weak you were that moment in trusting God and holding on to the Lord to getting you through the next day and getting you to the next opportunity and realize today, victory doesn't come from our power. Victory comes from the power of God. And look at the things He did. Joshua came, and notice this in verse 7, and all the people who are with him. Now, church, look up here. Please listen to me this morning. It says, Joshua came, and all the people were with him. Come with me tonight, and let's go forward with this building for Jesus Christ. All the people, not some of the people. That's a conviction. Joshua came, 
and all the people with him. Notice verse 9. Joshua did unto them as the Lord bade him. When we run out of ideas, go back to the Word of God. Just do exactly what God tells us to do. Joshua hold their horses. He cut the tendons. Basically, they weren't to take the spoils of war from as far as horses and chariots. He turned back and he took Hazor and smote the king thereof with the, with the edge of the sword. They smote all the souls that were therein with the edge of the sword. They completed and did everything God told them to do to win the victory. And then verse 11, God did not want to take Hazor. That was the largest city of all those cities. That was the most advanced city of all the cities. God said, listen, I don't want you to take Hazor. I want you to burn Hazor. You don't need Hazor because if you took Hazor, you might think that you're great and mighty because you overcame him. You burn it down, put it behind you. There are other cities I want you to claim. There are smaller cities, but I want you to remember those smaller cities. It's God who gave them to you. I'm thankful it's not big, dramatic things that we see as a church sometimes that really gives God the glory. What really gives God the glory is the moment by moment, day by day things that we do. Those little things that count for God. Those little things we do that make God give God the glory. Thank God tonight's going to be a rejoicing time and a hallelujah time as we dedicate the building. But remember, it's not the dedication building that makes us, gets us to where we're at. It's the services like this. We just come and obey the Word of God. And we get into the preaching of God's Word. And it's getting on your, on your knees morning after morning after morning and praying and having your devotion and seeking God. It's those day-by-day things that we need to do in order to get those victories accomplished. We must do all that the Lord bids us to do just as Joshua did. Notice Psalms 20, verse 7. Some trust in chariots and some in horses. But we remember the name of the Lord. God gave him energy. God gave him stamina. Hey, deacons. Hey, staff. Volunteers. You're tired? God's going to give you stamina. He'll give you endurance. He'll give you what you need. As thy day, so shall thy strength be, the Bible says. Zechariah 4, 6, then he answered and spake unto me, saying, This is the word of the Lord unto Zerubbabel, saying, Not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, saith the Lord of hosts. God gave him an enabled performance. Listen, there's more to be done, but we must not rest on our power and what we can do. It must be by the power of God. Then notice something else. God encouraged him about his purpose, and God enabled him in his performance. But would you notice verses 12 to 14? This encourages my heart. God enriched him with possessions. Are you with me this morning? Amen? Watch what happens here. And all the cities of those kings, and all the kings of them, did Joshua take. And he smote them with the edge of the sword, and he utterly destroyed them as Moses, the servant of the Lord, commanded. But as for the cities that stood still in their strength, Israel burned none of them, save Hazor only. That did Joshua burn. And all the spoil of these cities, and the cattle, and the children of Israel, (coughs) took for prey unto themselves. But every man they smote with the edge of the sword until they had destroyed them. Neither they left any to breathe. Now watch what's going on here. They weren't supposed to take Hazor, but the rest of the cities they were to take. God enriches, enriched him with possessions. God says, okay, now, you're going to add to what you previously were given. You're, I'm going to help you add some things to your faith. I'm going to help you add some things to what you're doing. Watch this this morning. I want to give you some questions this morning. What are you adding to your spiritual possessions? What are you adding to your faith? Joshua told them, you're going to go out there, but you're going to add some things. You're going to take some cities. You're going to take some possessions. You're going to take some things. Listen, don't be content with staying the same place that you've been. If you've been in the same place for one year and two years and five years, it's time to go ahead and claim some possessions for Jesus Christ. It's time to claim those promises and watch the blessings of God and win some souls to Christ and do something for the Lord. I'm asking you this morning, are you growing in God's word? Are you seeing more answers to prayer? Is your life yielding fruit, more fruit and much fruit? 
Is your faith increasing? Is your love for souls and serving the Lord increasing? I'm just saying today, Joshua was given a command and it was hard for him to do this. But he went on and he was enriched with the possession. And I just want to tell you today, as we start some new adult growth group classes next Sunday, every adult in this room, please plan to be here at 915 to enroll in a class. And we're ready and prepared to start new classes and to fill up those seven to eight empty rooms that need to be filled up. And I want to encourage you today to enrich yourself with possessions from God. Enrich yourself with the blessings of God. Why? Because in Ephesians 1, 3, it says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which has blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Don't leave your blessings on, on the table. Sometimes we say in business, don't leave any change on the table. I remind you today, don't leave the blessings on the table. And don't leave the, leave the blessings unharvested. And don't leave the blessings where, where they're never claimed. Claim the blessings of God. Decide today you're going to claim the promise and say, God, you said that you've given me all the riches of glory in Christ Jesus. I'm going to claim them today in Jesus Christ. Don't be a spiritual pig me. Don't be someone living below the poverty line level in terms of your spiritual riches. Rise above that and claim everything God wants you to have this morning for His glory. We see a raging conflict. We see a reinforced confidence as we close this morning. Would you notice one other thing? God's not finished telling us how Joshua was blessed and how Joshua was a blessing. Strategically and spiritually, God gives us verse 15. Now watch what's happened with Joshua. He's taken Jericho. He's taken Ai. He's taken five or six kings of the central kingdom. Excuse me, the southern kingdom. He's gone northwards and we read the listing here in the verse six verses. He, he, took, an, he took an entire area. You get your Bible map out this afternoon and look at the geographic area he took. It was huge. It was their possession. It was their inheritance. And God wanted us to see something about Joshua so you and I could understand. We can't claim an inheritance. And we cannot enrich our possessions. And we cannot get... The magnitude of the job done. Unless we do like Joshua did in verse 15. And in verse 15, as you'll notice, you go back there with me, it says this. As the Lord commanded Moses, his servant, and take his back to Deuteronomy, so did Moses command Joshua. And so did Joshua. He left nothing undone of all the Lord commanded Moses. A good employee does exactly what they're told to do. And an exceptional employee goes beyond the call of service. A good employee, a good staff person, a good deacon, a good pastor, a good Sunday school teacher, you do exactly what your job description says, you left need leave nothing undone. A good Christian is someone who leaves nothing undone of all that the Lord has commanded us. And I want you to notice as we close this morning, we see the raging conflict. Yes, there are pressures. I want you to notice we get a reinforced confidence. The battles are still there, but God encourages us about our purpose. But I want you to notice a remarkable Christian. 
I wanted you to see as we close this morning the type of Christian God wants me and God wants you to be. The kind of Christian that God can use for His glory. The kind of Christian that leaves nothing undone of all that God wanted him to do. Joshua's 85, 90 years of age. He'll live to about, I think, 110 years of age. If my memory serves right, he still had many more years to go. The Bible says he left nothing undone. Everything that needed to be done, he got it done. Listen, Joshua got things done. Joshua finished well. The greatest testimony of a Christian life is a life that finishes well. Jesus Christ, our Savior, said, Joshua, John 17, 4, I've glorified thee on the earth. I have finished the work which thou gavest me to do. Acts 13, 36, David said, for De- Paul said this about David, for David, after he had served his own generation by the will of God, fell on sleep and was laid unto his fathers and saw corruption. He served his generation by the will of God. He determined that what the 70 years of life he had, he served his generation there. Second Timothy 4, verses 6 and 7. Notice what Paul said as the, as the axe was being sharpened for his execution and he's, as he was there, not languishing, but rejoicing in our Lord in the Mamertine prison. He said in Second Timothy 4, verses 6 and 7, For I am now ready to be offered, and the time of my departure is at hand. I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. Joshua, the testimony said of Joshua, he left nothing undone of all that the Lord commanded Moses. As we close this morning, would you notice very simply how he left things? He got everything done. Would you notice with me how he left things undone? Notice, first of all, in verses 16 to 18, Joshua is remarkable because of how he conquered. Notice verse 18. He took all the land in verse 16, 17. He took all these areas. He smote all the kings. Would you notice verse 18? Because many times we read this and walk right past it. Joshua made war a long time with all those kings. Would you underline those two words, long time? He stayed at it. Be a church member this long time. Amen. Stay in your church a long time. Stay in the orchestra a long time. Stay at soul winning a long time. Be on your knees praying a long time. Keep on tithing for a long time. He's made war with those kings a long time. Too many of us have this transient idea that we've got to move here and move there, move this and move that. I want to encourage you this morning to dig your heels in, get your roots deep at Heritage Baptist Church, and get in there and stay at it a long time for the Lord. Amen? I tell you, marriages that stay at a long time, marriages that survive. Parents and children who can can work together and they understand their respective roles and kids that reverence their, their parents and respect their parents, they stay at a long time. There's something to be said about how God blesses their lives. And churches that are made up of myriad personalities and different different backgrounds and all those things, you kind of look at it together. It's like putting all the wrong ingredients together to make a, to bake a cake. It doesn't turn out right. But I want to tell you, when it comes to church, God is able to blend all of us together and work together as long as we realize we're going to stay a long time at this and we're not going to be divisive about preferences, about personality. We're just going to agree on Jesus Christ and say, through Jesus, all things are possible. He was remarkable because of how he conquered. I tell you, God's going to bless if we just stay at this long time. Pastors who get their churches moving, they stay at it a long time. Evangelists that are used of God, they stay at it for a long time.
She had it a long time. I'm about to quit. Don't quit. Say it in a long time. The Bible says about Paul when he went to the city of Iconium. It was a tough city. Acts 14.1. He abode in Iconium a long time. Get in the adult growth groups next Sunday and stay in it for a long time. Secondly, he's remarkable because of how he conquered. Notice he was remarkable because of who he conquered. Would you notice this? I'll say something more about this tonight. Go to the last three verses. Verse 21, And at that time came Joshua, and he cut off the Anakims from the mountains, from Hebron, from Deber, from Anub, and from the mountains of Judah, and from all the mountains of Israel. Joshua destroyed them utterly with their cities. There was none of the Anakims left in the land or the children of Israel, only in Gaza, in Goth, and Ashad there remained. Watch what's going on here. Who are the Anakims? Who are the sons of Anak? Well, we're going to see this tonight. We're going to go back to Numbers 13. When, when, jo- when Moses sent the spies, which included Josh and Caleb, who were right now in this, pre- this situation, they went to survey the land, and it was the ten spies who saw the sons of Anak. The sons of Anak were giants. I was just telling some of our groups, I've been giving a, uh, I've been preaching about overcoming the augs of your life. And the first giant you find in the Bible was not Goliath. Goliath was a descendant of these giants. One of the first giants you have mentioned is a giant by the name of Og and Sion. Og, if you read about this man, he had a bed that was 13 feet long. Now you know this. If you buy a bed, you never buy a bed shorter than the length of your body, amen, because you don't want your feet hanging over there, right? You always buy a bed that's longer than you. So if this man had a bed 13 feet long, made out of iron, mind you, because he probably, at his height, he probably weighed 400 to 500, maybe 600 pounds. The likelihood this man was, could have been as tall as 11 feet, maybe even 12 feet tall. That's the kind of giants they were facing in the land. And when the spies went into the land, they saw these giants and they said, we are like grasshoppers in their sight. We are not able to possess it. And the ten convinced the Israelites against Moses to say, we cannot claim it. Now we fast forward it. Forty years before, they said, we can't do it. And because of that, God chastened them and kept them in the, kept them in the wilderness there for 40 years. Now, 45 years later, they're in the land of Canaan. And this is what Josh remembered. For 40, 45 years, he's thinking, man, we messed up. We could have taken those Anakims out. We could have taken the sons of Anak out. He says, this time, we're not going to mess up. And the Bible reserves for us to see in verses 21 to 23. He took it to the Anakims. He went over and did exactly what he and Caleb said they would do. We are well able to overcome them. And they went in faith those 11 and 12 foot tall giants and they defeated them and the Bible lists every location he says they cut them off they destroyed them they dealt with them I'm saying to you today he's remarkable because of who he conquered and I'm saying to you this morning you're going to face giants in your life giants that are bigger than you there's the giant of retirement there's the giant of old age there's the giant of poor health there's the giant of not enough money and you've got to decide today the giant is not going to conquer you but with God's help you're going to conquer the giant And lastly, would you notice this? He was remarkable because of how he conquered. He conquered for a long time. He's remarkable because of who he conquered. He conquered the Anakims and he took it to them. And by the way, it gives us a preview in verse 11. Where later on, we read about Caleb. When Caleb went to take it, actually Caleb led the way. But you notice thirdly, Josh was remarkable because of what he conquered. Verse 23, and he took the whole land according to all that the Lord sent unto Moses. And Joshua gave it for an inheritance unto Israel according to all their division by their tribes. The land rested from war. 
He took the whole land. Not a piece of it. Not a piece of it. They took it all. I'm not going to unveil all the vision God's put on my heart, but I'm going to tell you this. There's a lot more to conquer, brother. A lot more to conquer, sister. A lot more to do. I'm going to fill those nurseries up with babies. I'm going to fill the Sunday school rooms with children. I'm going to fill those classes overflowing with adults. I want to see more adult classes started. I want to see us get to the place where God is blessing and working through the church. We're reaching more souls for Jesus Christ. Hey, there's the whole land that we need to conquer for the Lord. He's a remarkable Christian. Because he left nothing undone of all the Lord commanded him. It was seven o'clock. In the evening, October 20th, 1968, at the Mexico City Olympic Stadium, darkness was coming. On that morning, they started off with a 26 and a half mile marathon run. The crowd, which had swelled to many thousands by the middle of the day, started to shrink and dwindle in size. Mama Waldi of Ethiopia was the first to cross the finish line. The one who would be acknowledged as the gold medal winner of the marathon run for the 1968 Olympics in Mexico City. And runner after runner participated, made their way, and made their way through that course of time. But a few thousand were still left behind, waiting, because there was one contestant who had not come in. What caught everybody off alarm, caught everybody off guard was these sirens that went off and whistles. And everybody turned their their attention to the gate of the city, the stadium. The same way those runners went out, they had their eyes fixed on there as the darkness was starting to set. And they looked out of the gate and here in this gate was coming the last of the runners. A man from Tanzania by the name of John Akwari. And John Akwari, early on in the race, had fallen. He'd injured himself. He was bleeding badly. He said, I'm not going to quit. They put, they put a bandage on him. They wrapped his leg up in, in a kind of a, some tape there. And John Akwari, even as other runners who had been injured and hurt, wobbled and may, barely made their way. John Akwari was the last runner. And when some had already gone home and decided it was not worth watching, some knew there was still a man out there that was running, a man out there that wanted to finish the race. And here comes John Akwari. It's past 7 p.m. and it's 7.30 p.m. And he's waking his way slowly, trying to get there, moving his leg injured leg and he's hurting and he's crying and he's throbbing and people wallows and they watch this man come in and though he was moving very slowly the crowd that remained they got up and they started to cheer and they started to get excited because the last contestant who could have easily quit who could have easily thrown in the towel and said I don't want to do it anymore I'm hurting it's no good God help me this guy that tripped me up he ought to be disqualified he didn't say any of that he went all the way from there he made his way through the gate and he could see the finish line and though he was hurting and though he was bleeding and though he was the last one and though he thought that maybe people will be ashamed of me he crossed that finish line as the final contestant and as a winner people came to John O'Quarry and they said to him why didn't you quit 
You were badly injured. Why didn't you give up? And a quarry said this, which has gone down in history. He said, my country did not send me 7,000 miles to start this race. My country sent me to finish. And I remind you today, God did not save you just to get saved. He saved you to finish the race. He saved you to say like Paul, I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. And I'm going to tell you today, if you're somebody about ready to quit, if you're somebody about ready to throw in the towel, if you're somebody to stop reading your Bible, if you're somebody to stop praying, if you're somebody that's thinking that it's not worth it, I want to encourage you today to be like the follow the faith of a Joshua and say today, he left nothing undone of all the Lord commanded him. And you decide today, you're not going to quit. You're going to keep on going for Jesus Christ. Finish well. Finish strong. Finish Christian. Finish a winner. He left nothing undone of all the Lord commanded. And by the way, tonight, as I close, you can't finish well if you're not saved. Jesus Christ is the author and the finisher of our faith. He died for your sins. And offers to you the wonderful, free gift, eternal life. Would you get saved today? If you're not saved, would you say, Jesus, I need to get saved today. I want to make sure heaven's my home. My sins are forgiven. Christian, would you make a determination before we go to the building tonight? You'll leave nothing undone of all that the Lord commands us to do. Father, this morning, use the invitation, Lord, for us to express with our hearts and through our feet... And through our lives, what you've laid on us. Keep us, Lord, from quitting. Help us not to let the pressures of the faith discourage us and keep us back and hinder us. But instead, Lord, today, help us to go on. Help us to be used for your glory. Help us that our faith would be a conquering faith. Help us to be people that leave nothing undone of all the Lord's commanded us. Fathers, we give the invitation this morning. Please help folks to respond. We pray for this in Jesus' name. Let's stand. Every head bowed and every eye closed. I invite you to come. Invitation means come. If you've been thinking about quitting, what you decide today, I'm going to finish well. Are there some things left undone that need to get done? What you decide today, let's get it done. I'm going to say this morning, Pastor, pray for me. God spoke to my heart. I've been discouraged. I have felt like quitting. But God, through His Word from Joshua 11:15, has encouraged me to do all that the Lord's commanded. Would you pray for me that God would give me strength to get it done? How many would raise their hands and say, pray for me that God would give me strength to get it done? God bless you. You come and go. You start and go. Do you know what today? We want to make a determination. Let's get in the race. Let's finish the race. Leave nothing undone of all the Lord's commanded you. Take a moment today. Be like a John Quarry where you're just going to keep running and keep going. You're not ashamed to come in last because what really matters is, is not how you start the race. What really matters is that you finish the race. Would you come this morning and make that decision today? Make it as a couple. Would you decide today to stay in your marriage for the, re- for the rest of your lives? Would you say today to stay in your family, stay in your home, stay in the church, stay with Christ? We just decided to stay with it. And then today, if you're not saved, you're not saved. You ought to look up at me right now and say, Pastor, I'm not saved, but I want to get saved. And if you look at me right now and say, Pastor, I want to get saved, I'll get one of our workers here today to show you how you can be born again, how your sins can be washed away, and you can enter to the family of God. Who would say today, Pastor, I'm not saved, but I want to get saved today? You'd look at me this morning and say, Pastor, I want to get saved. Anyone like that today? Is there a man or woman, boy or girl, you're not sure you're saved, but God's working your heart. You need to get saved. Would you get saved this morning? Anyone like that? Well, wait just another, another moment. Have another stanza of a hymn. Don't delay. Don't delay. He left nothing undone of all that the Lord commanded him. 
What have you left undone? What still needs to be done? Hey, who needs to get saved in your family that needs the gospel? This is the church to bring them to. This is where they can hear the gospel. He left nothing undone of all that the Lord commanded him. Heavenly Father, this morning we rejoice in your goodness and your grace. Thank you for the inspiration of the life of Joshua. And Father, as we get ready for tonight's grand opening, stir our hearts about the things still to be done and help us not to leave anything undone, but to get it done for your glory, to finish the fight, to say like Jesus did before he went to the cross, I finished the work which thou gavest me to do. Father, would you just instill in our hearts and let your seed abound, though of your word abound to 25, 50 and 100 fold fruit. Use what's been said today for your glory. Still save souls even at the end of the service. We pray for this now, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. We have a connect video. I want you to see that Brother Jojo is going to close in prayer. Be here tonight, 515, if you would, for the, for the grand opening. We'll be ready for that. It's going to be a wonderful thing. And we've got things to put in your hands that will encourage you. But you be there tonight at 515 for that. Let's see the connect video right now.